Well, what a joy to be back here, to see so many of you that we know and touch base with so many that we don't know. I trust we'll get to know you afterwards. <clears throat> um, one of the things that Derwin referred to was very interesting, that we came out here in 1991. During that uh, following year, uh, a young couple arrived out here, and I thought I'd put this uh, slide up just to show you that he actually does have hair. Oh, did have hair. Uh, he, I, I, I didn't get his permission, but he did put it on Facebook, so it's his fault. Yeah, what happened? <laughs> no, Derwin and, and Angel and, and us have been good friends for a long time, and uh, it's been a joy just to be connected with Hillside, even while we've been just up the road at Calvary Baptist since 2002. So what a joy just to be here today and a privilege to be able to talking about this particular subject, loving our nation. I want, to read, I want to read a scripture, and then we'll pray, okay? It should be up on the, on the screen for you. Let all the earth fear the, fear the, sorry, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever, the purposes of his heart through all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Let's pray. Our Father, we've talked to you quite a bit this morning during this service, and we know that pleases your heart when you said at the end of Malachi there that the, the Lord heard while those who spoke of his goodness talked one to another, and he remembered, and he was pleased, and he put it in a book of remembrance. You're pleased, Lord, when we talk to each other about you and in your presence. And so, Lord, we ask for the anointing of your Spirit upon your word and upon the thoughts of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So, when is a nation born? It's interesting when you think about that. In fact, there's various words in the Scripture, both in Hebrew and in Greek, and it comes out in English in various different ways, in different places, and it, they, some of them seem to be interchangeable. When we talk about nation, we think of a geographical place that's got boundaries to it. That's really a much uh, later uh, understanding of, of the word nation. But really, the, there, are, there are words that deal like nation, people, ethnic groups. Even there's one word in Hebrew that is cutely translated often folk. Uh, and it's, it has the sense of people being together. But when is a nation born? Well, I grew up in England uh, just, at the, just after the beginning of the Second World War. When I went to school, uh, it was very interesting because your background tends to, tends to give you a particular worldview to start off with. And when I went to school, 
most of the map of the world was pink at that time, including this big landmass called Canada, because that was then the British Empire. Empire, it, it has majestic feel to it, but it also has an oppressive feel to it in so many ways. And I have this theory, anyway, that the British lost the empire the more they drank coffee. Uh, you know, don't laugh, because, you know, when it, when it started in the, in the, uh, the bay there down in, in the States, and they threw all that tea in the bay, that's when it all started. And, and let me just tell you, the British are drinking more and more and more coffee right now, and they've lost more and more and more power in the world. So don't, don't laugh at me. Think it through. Anyway, what, what are we celebrating today, this weekend? What are we celebrating? We're celebrating the birth of what a lot of people call a nation. 50 years ago, in 1967, just a couple of years before we came uh, for our first visit to Canada, in Montreal, we had the 100th uh, birthday party of the nation called Canada. There was a fellow by the name of Bob, Bob, Bobby Gimby, and some of you old enough to remember the song that was sung at that time, Canada, we love you. You remember that one? And if you look, at, look up and the old, some of the old videos and stuff, you'll find him there like a Pied Piper with a horde of children singing, and every one of them was white. Every child you saw on there was white. But you know, to give Bobby Gimby his due, he worked very hard to put in the word in the song, put the word in confederation. And he had confederation in there, not nation. Very interesting. Uh, that, was a, that was what he wanted people to remember that they were actually celebrating, confederation. So think about that one. We, how things have changed these days. Uh, it, it would be very difficult to get a crowd of white kids like that together. And isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? Because color has sort of ceased to exist in so many parts of this country. Not all of them. But in so many parts, it ceased to exist in the minds of our children and our young people. And that's delightful. We've sung before, we stand on God. But you know, remember when it used to be, we stand on God, we stand on God, we stand on God, so many of those near the end. And then we've changed that anthem to be from far and wide. From far and wide, and that's a, a good one for me because I came from far, I'm not that wide, but I came, that, I came far from, to come to this country, and so probably did many of you. How many of you were not born in Canada? There you go. We're in this together, folks, from far and wide. I love that. And in, in, in all our sons command, that's another one that's changed, right? Isn't it? In all of us command, that's fairly recent. The one I'm wanting them to change, and I've been wanting to change for a long time, and I never sing it myself, is our home and native land. This isn't my native land. This is the land of my choice. So I, I always put in there my home and chosen land because this was not where I was born. It's interesting how we're changing a lot of those things about Canada. And gradually, uh, the, the government catches up with the people's thinking. And that's great. Sometimes it leads us too far in wrong directions, but sometimes it catches up with people's thinking, and that's good. But one of the things about this country, I, you know, I'm never quite sure whether I ever believe in a Christian nation. 
Uh, people say that America is a Christian nation. Well, no wonder the Muslims have trouble with the West. Uh, because America is not a Christian nation. It may have had Christian principles right from the beginning. And some of the first settlers over into America were definitely believers. And the same in Canada, people coming across here from various parts of Europe and Eastern Europe were coming and planting churches because they were being persecuted. But this country has never been a Christian nation, in my opinion. What did they say today? In my humble opinion. Uh, but you know, that sounds a little proud to me. Uh, but anyway, it, there's never been a national revival in this country. Did you know that? There's never been a national spiritual movement in this country that swept across the whole nation. Some people think it's because God would have a bigger job because the country's bigger <laughs> and to get everybody all touched together. But, but there's just so many places where there have been national revivals. And I grew up in a country where there had been revivals. I was greatly influenced by the Welsh revival from 1904 and all the years afterwards that changed people's thinking in so many ways. Greatly influenced by John Wesley, who also came over to North America at one point, even before he got saved, preaching about God he was, even before he got saved. It's amazing what God does through all sorts of people. But we do have a past that's worth celebrating. So that scripture we read about, about uh, the, the nation, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, was really originally to the Jews. Because the Jews were a God-chosen nation. And in Israel, that was a very specific demonstration to the rest of the world. And, but even they weren't obeying God all the time. But God saw them as a nation that he had created. Most of our nations have been man-created since. Uh, with a little help from God when he confused everybody's languages. That was a lot of fun. Uh, and I often wonder why he allowed that to go on for so long. Because it's been difficult, hasn't it, for us to communicate so many times. But in Canada, we have a wonderful opportunity of being able to understand one another and learn about each other from a humble point of view. Because there's nothing more humbling than not being able to speak someone's language when they can speak yours. You ever been in that position? I'm in that position all the time. I speak two, two languages, English and Canadian. <clears throat> and they aren't the same thing. <laughs> but we have a past that's worth celebrating. Before Jacques Cartier landed in PEI in 1534, there were whole nations of people who were seeking after God. They believed in one God, but they didn't know him the same way as through Jesus. Jacques Cartier came over in 1534, long before 1867, and he planted a cross in the Gaspé before he left back for Europe. Bet you didn't know that bit a tidbit. He planted a cross in 1534. That's a long time before Confederation. La Salle, a French Canadian, came over expecting a wild country 200 years before 1867. And he found not only, not only that the um, Hudson's Bay Company at, 16, at 1670, around the same time those two came together, and they owned 15% of North America. 
North America, not just Canada. But it was both of these people found strongly established trade relationships between indigenous peoples already existing all over the country. And that's how they worked together for quite some time before the, the soldiers' forces arrived and created loads of pro problems afterwards. There was a lot of working together. Let me tell you three people, particularly, that I want to talk to you about, just very briefly, uh, who were very influential in this country. You'll, ha you'll have to accept my pronunciation of one or two of these um, <coughs> First Nation names. There was a Captain John Norton. That's what he was often known as. But his name was Teonin Hokarowan. It meant open door. And in 1804, he had, having just become a Mohawk chief, uh, in order to go to England to make uh, and, and, uh, tre uh, treaties with England uh, for, the, for the benefit of the First Nations people, he noticed while he was over there that those who were really against slavery, against slavery, they seemed to take all their inspiration from the Bible. And so he was finding out about this and thought, wouldn't it be wonderful if, if there was some scripture in the Mohawk language that he could be able to take back to his people? And this, you've heard of the Canadian Bible Society? Well, that came from the British and Foreign Bible Society, as did the American Bible Society way back. Bible Society founding is a wonderful story. Uh, I haven't got time to tell you this morning. But he was, he was noticing, and the Bible Society noticed him. And so they asked him, would he do a translation of the Gospel of John? So he stayed in England for the next two years and eventually went back, came back to his home uh, amongst the Mohawk people with 500 Gospels of John in the Mohawk language and began to preach and teach to his people. That was in 1804, 1806. That was who he was. There are two pictures coming up shortly. The first, the first one is, uh, they're, they're both of the same fellow. His name is Kakewanabi. Kakewakanabi, sorry. And his name meant sacred feathers, but they called him later through his mother, stepmother, they called him Desangondensta. And it meant he stands people on their feet. He stands people on their feet. His name was Reverend Peter Jones. He was, became an Anglican, is baptized an Anglican. He confessed for quite some time later. The only reason he did it was so he could get some of the privileges that the white people had. But then he went to a Methodist camp meeting. And when he went to this Methodist camp meeting, he came to know Jesus in a powerful way. And then moved into ministry. He was elected chief of two Ojibwe bands, the Mississauga, Mississaugas Indians. That's where, that's where the the name Mississauga in near Toronto comes from. And he was elected chief, and, and his, he and his brother John translated uh, scriptures into Ojibwe. And then he went too to England for negotiations and fundraising for missions. And that's how they saw him in England. He went over to demonstrate his people. But you know what happens when people, people asked to do this sort of thing? They become a novelty instead of being taken seriously. And after a couple of years in England, raising funds and seeking the will of the Lord and raising money for missions amongst his own people, he finally got totally disillusioned and came back and concentrated so solely on the ministry 
to the Ojibwe people. Initially, half the tribe came to the Lord. When he came back from England, the rest of them came to Jesus as well. It was really quite remarkable. And then we come to Confederation. In Confederation, it's very interesting, uh, the two people that really pushed for Confederation, one was a, a Baptist who really, when he was eight, eight years old, read, read through the whole of, by that time he'd read through the whole of the Scriptures when he was eight, from one end to the other. He was the son of another Christian. But eventually when he went to, uh, to Scotland to be um, trained as a medical doctor, he came in touch with scotch, and it ruined him for the rest of his life. Seriously. He became a very bad reputation in many ways, but he had a good heart. And he, he was the, he was the uh, premier of, of uh, Nova Scotia at the same time as Sir Leonard Tilly was the premier of New Brunswick. And really, Confederation was originally going to be those two provinces plus PEI. That's it. And that's why they went to Charlottetown uh, for the conference. But then between Ontario and Quebec, those, those areas, the, just the southern halves, they came together, and that's when Confederation came back. And the funny thing is that Prince Edward Island never did join until about six years later because they didn't like the terms, even though it was done in Prince Edward Island. Oh, by the way, do you know what I discovered yesterday? I discovered that, that uh, most of the British North America Act was written in Downton Abbey, the place Highclerk Cattle Castle. They've just discovered this. The High Commissioner to Canada, for Canada in England, has just discovered it in some of the books. All this written stuff down, really quite remarkable. So there you go, you you uh, Downton Abbey fans, you like that bit. But Sir Leonard Tilly, and they 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 struggled over the name of Canada. They struggled over the name, and the next morning they left it for a day, and Leonard Tilly went home. And uh, as, his, as his wont was, he, he just every morning he would read scripture and seek God in prayer. He was a wonderful believer. And Leonard Tilly read that morning. What did he read? Here we, we're going to have it right now. Let's read it. We put that in the King James Version specifically because that was the version that he was using. And the word that stuck out to him, that was that God should have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. What a description of Canada. From sea to sea and from the river, the great river um, <coughs> St. Lawrence at that particular time, that was the one we were talking about, to the ends of the earth, which the North Pole. Wasn't that just tremendous when God spoke that to him? And he went back to the whole group of people that were together and says, I believe that this is what God has encouraged us to call this land, the dominion of Canada. And don't believe Pierre Trudeau uh, when he used to say that that meant the dominion of Britain. It was got nothing to do with it at all. It was the fact of having God's dominion over this country. Some of our founding fathers wanted that. That's what their desire was. But where are we today? So how can we love this country? How can we love this country? I, I'm so thrilled to be Canadian. I think it's a wonderful place to be. God has blessed this country incredibly. But there are issues. And I want to encourage you as believers uh, to read through 1 Peter 2. 1 Peter 2. 
and ask God what He wants to say to you in there. Let me give you some hints. 1 Peter 2, 9 to 12, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praise of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners or sojourners uh, or exiles and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which be war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. What do you get out of that? There's all sorts of words about people and nations and, and, and foreigners and exiles and all those different things. What do you get about that? I'll tell you what I get about it. You don't belong here, folks. You don't belong here. I don't mean Canada. I mean in this world. You don't belong in this world. You are a citizen of another country. Hebrews 11, 10. Hebrews 13, Hebrews 11, 13 to 17 talks about Abraham and how he looked for a city whose maker and builder was God. That's what he looked for. And in doing so, he had to, they declared themselves strangers and exiles. The same words in Hebrews. Strangers and exiles. People passing through. There's one of the, those words uh, called foreigners uh, there in that First Peter 1, which actually is the word paroikos, which means alongside the house, the family. Alongside a family. It's someone who is passing through, or they may be, Stay, uh, they may be there consistently, but they're not part of the family. They are non-citizens, and they have limited rights. So I don't believe Christians should be holding up their hands and just praising their charter of rights and freedoms that we have in this country. Because that means that anybody can push for anything they want, wherever they want it, provided they've got the money enough to go to Supreme Court and get the Supreme Court to change the law. And what Trudeau did at that particular time was seen to be wonderful by most people. Most Christian leaders at that time were very, very, very concerned about what it would lead to. Please don't misunderstand me here. I'm saying that we, as believers, should not be challenging for our own rights. We don't belong here, folks. We belong in another country. We should be living as if we are, we've got passports to heaven. We are ambassadors for Christ, living in a different country. We're here representing Jesus, representing Jesus. And on this day, in, in, in this Canada Day weekend, which is celebrating 150 years of confederation, but really so many hundreds of years of people in this country, in this wonderful land that God has allowed us to live in. One thing you learn from the First Nations people they don't believe they own the land. They believe that the Great Spirit had given them the land as a blessing. I met a guy on the plane going over to England just recently uh, in the middle of the night, uh, and um, <clears throat> I'm, str I'm struggling with what I wanted to share this morning because time's running out. I met this guy on the plane going over, and it was the middle of the night, and I never sit still on a plane for more than an hour because I don't want to get a blood clot in my leg like my brother-in-law brother did when he came over. 
So I get up and I walk around and I exercise. Other people were sleeping. I was exercising near the washroom, just going like this, just making sure I was okay. He comes up and I said, oh, you can use the washroom. I'm not here. I'm just stretching. He said, so am I. So we started to talk. Turns out he was a, an English classically trained chef. And um, we were talking about what he did. He lives in Victoria, and they have a, a program on APTN, uh, the, um, <coughs> one of the TV channels there that does a lot of First Nation stuff. And he has a partner by the name of Art who's a, a bush cook, a uh, bush chef. And they put on this program called Moose Meat and, Mil Moose Meat and Marmalade. You should be looking for it. It's fun to do. But, you know, it's been interesting for me to watch these guys working together, introducing each other's culture through food. And in doing so, finding the incredible thankfulness for every time they kill an animal, every part of the animal, and no, nothing else, no hunting for anything else, and then thanking being thankful for it. I was reminded of a funny movie from years ago. Do you remember The Gods Must Be Crazy? Remember that one? How that little bushman uh, way back in Africa, and he, sh he shoots this, um, I think it was like a, an antelope or something, and he goes down and he apologizes to the antelope and thanks, thanks the antelope for giving its life for he might have food. You know, we've got a lot, we've got a lot to learn. Not just a quick, a quick uh, thank you, Lord, but what does it really mean to live in this land and to have what all God has given us? How can we love this land? Well, one of the things you can do right now, and just putting this slide up again for this concert next Friday night, you should come along. You should find out what's going on. Have you, have you checked the website? Have you just seen who's, what's going to be going on and who's going to be there and who's going to be speaking and who's going to be singing? I think that's going to be exciting. I think it's going to be a lot better than what happened yesterday in Town Center Park. It's this making statements for Jesus uh, in the middle of all this and being and people of reconciliation. Let me finalize this by just a reference to Jeremiah 9, 29. Jeremiah 29. A good friend of ours uh, in Toronto, <clears throat> Rick Tobias, Dr. Rick Tobias has worked in the inner city for many, many years. I remember years ago him speaking on this passage, and it's stuck in my mind ever since. It was a word from God to the exiles. Does that word sound familiar again? Foreigners, exiles. <clears throat> and this is what God said to those exiles. And he, he introduced it by saying, this is what you're to tell Jeremiah, this is what you to tell my people, the people who I've put into exile. They don't belong there, but this is the, what they've got to do. And this is how you love your country. Build houses, live in them, plant gardens, eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters. Eat, take wives for your sons, give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare, you will have welfare. The believer's responsibility is not to get into partisan politics and fight one another. The believer's responsibility is to love their city, love their country, reach out to people in need, reach out across the divides and the barriers of color, creed, background, history, all of those different things, because each one of us is a child of God.
by the Father. We are a child of the Father. See, God gives us gifts in creation. He creates us and gives us all sorts of wonderful gifts. And then he gives us gifts when we come to know him as our Savior and our Lord, which are very much more deep and direct from there. And then he gives us gifts when we're baptized in the Spirit, which are very much our tools for doing the job. But we're all made in the image of God, even if that image sometimes looks strange when you look in the mirror. It doesn't quite look like God, right? But, you know, it's not the, it's not the physical. It's who we are inside. And then let God have hold of that and reach out to, to people. Love people. Love. Love them. And that means sacrifice. It means going the extra mile. And I haven't time to tell you about that story, but going the extra mile and what that really means. Are you ready for that? Closing verse. Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you always. If you do this, is understood in that scripture. You can't always claim the fact that God is with you if you're not being obedient. And go and make disciples. How do you do that first? Because you build relationships. You, you understand, you, you make them understand by your life that you can be trusted. And therefore, if you can be trusted, your God can be trusted. That's so important to us all. I'd love to go on, but I'm not allowed. I'm going to get kicked out soon. But you know, sometimes you can maybe just claim it was a bit of visitor preacher's privilege. I want to ask you, is there anything in your life in the way you deal with people, neighbors, workmates, competitors, people you're responsible for or responsible to, people of other nations and countries that are in this country now, part of us, is there anything that you have to confess is not right in your dealings with them. Because that's where you've got to begin. You've got to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm yours. I'm yours and you've put me in this place. You, you've directed me into this country. It's a thrill to be here. But now, now, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Who is my neighbor? Well, remember Jesus' story of the Good Samaritan. Widens it out quite a bit, if you remember. It isn't just the person who lives next door. It's anybody you're in touch with. Do you know, I have more fun talking to people who are not Christians that I don't know than I do often have talking to believers. Just enter into the whole issue of what this world's about and why you're here and what Jesus wants you for, why he saved you. Because... He'd have saved himself an awful lot of problems and us a lot of problems if he'd have taken us to heaven as soon as we got saved. He's obviously left us here for a reason. Are you fulfilling it? Let's pray, shall we? Father, we thank you for this great country. We thank you for the increasing influence that you have allowed this country through whoever you use to have in the world at such a time as this. It just seems, Lord, that people across the, the world are looking and saying Canada's waking up. Canada's different. There's an experiment here of 
total multicultural intercultural relations of one people. And Lord, I pray that you will grant to our leaders, whether we agree with them or not, we ask you to give them wisdom and direction because we don't know what pressures they are under. We do not know, Lord, what's going on in these things, whether it's in the province, the city, or the country. But Lord, we pray that we might be encouragers. We might be prayers. We might be those who will do our part in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give Dave a, a warm thanks for his ministry this morning?